Welcome to Inside the Media Minds. This is your host, Christine Blake. This show features in-depth interviews with tech reporters who share everything from their biggest pet peeves to their favorite stories. From our studio at W2 Communications, let's go Inside the Media Minds. I'm Christine Blake, the host of Inside the Media Minds, and welcome to a very special episode here today. I am Stephen Mackey, Chief Creative Officer at W2 Communications and the co-founder here at Notaviva Craft Fermentations. And we are joined by Michael Jarvis, a contributor to Virginia Craft Beer Magazine, which we have a copy of right here. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. So, very special episode here um, on site at Notaviva, and we're really happy to talk to you today. Um, you know, really just want to get an idea for some of your background and how you, you know, came to be a contributor for Virginia Craft Beer Magazine. So what, what drew you to it at first? About eight years ago, I was pouring beer out here at one of these local breweries, and uh, I did it for, you know, weekends for a while. And, and then uh, the, the beer scene here in, in Loudoun County really took off, in Northern Virginia specifically, you know, broadly. And I think when I started eight years ago, there was two breweries in the whole county. There was like Lost Rhino and Corcoran, and now there's 37 or something. Um, so you could kind of feel it. You could kind of see it going. And, and I've always been a, a big beer fan. I, I like wine, but not as much as beer. And um, back in 2018, I noticed that there was a lot of places that were changing because the, the state law had changed and you could have uh, a brewery co-located with a winery. Eight years ago at Corcoran, they had a winery that they owned that was next door. And if people walked in with a unopened bottle, we had to tell them to take it out. So they have a lot of prohibition laws that are getting fixed in Virginia. It's been a really slow process. But what happened was I started noticing that a lot of people were making these, these expansions. So you had like uh, uh, Belly Love was building a brewery up at Hillsborough Vineyards. And you had Old 690 was building a whole new brewery, a huge one up in Harper's Ferry, and then Bear Chase was going up, and, and it was just kind of one thing after another, and then Nota Viva added a, a brewery, and so I, I hadn't written in a long time. I, I, um, I work for the federal government, so I write really good emails, um, but, but what, what I wanted to do was I wanted to get back into writing, because I used to do a, a lot of writing for newspapers, um, and so I just literally sent the publisher, Jeff Maisie, a, a an email and said, you know, I used to write for the LA Times and I want to get back into it. And there's all this activity going on with breweries and, and wineries up in Northern Virginia. And, you know, they could really use the coverage because the magazine, it, it's based down in central and Southern Virginia. So there's a tendency for it to be more uh, of, of breweries and, and things yeah, in that area. I, I think nationally, Richmond is, is an amazing, uh, highly regarded uh, craft beer scene. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very good quality. And, and uh, I think Virginia's, I know it's in the top 20. I don't know if it's in the top 10 for just per capita and breweries and things like that. So it's really become a, a, a huge success story. So yeah, I just sent him an email and he's like, sure, what do you want to write about? Well, I was going to do kind of an overview story on all these things happening yeah. at once but they were all so busy trying to get open that they had no time. So I literally, the first story ended up being Belly Love doing a brewery at, at, at Hillsborough Vineyards, because it was the same family on both. Um, and then the next one was on Harper's Ferry. And then I got sidetracked. I was gonna do something on Loudon Brewing because I like Phil Fuss down there and he's, he's a great guy. But he wanted to have his picture on the cover wearing chaps, so that was never going to happen. So, um, so, but and then I was going to do a story on him, but I ended up finding that there was a, a, a golf cart service in Leesburg where you can go and you pay seven dollars, and you could ride around all day 
in a golf cart and go from brewery to brewery. And I just thought, this is a great story. And so, a modern booze cruise. Yes, absolutely. It's a, it's a pub ride as compared to a pub crawl. So yeah. like very fun. Yeah. So is that one of your first stories? Uh, the first one, I, I did the, the local ones that I knew here. And then um, I, did, I did one because uh, Old Ox was building another brewery in Middleburg. And it, it's a really interesting story because it was the site of the old jail. And it was subterranean. And it was you kind of looked up and you can see the corner. And there's like the oyster bar. And the guy, uh, Chris, that was there is just a great guy. And he had already had huge success in Ashburn. And it was just fun. I went there when they had a whole bus. So they rented a bus and had the regulars from Ashburn go all 20 miles to Middleburg. And <laughs> I was there when they got off the bus. And it was a part, I mean, it was a really fun party. And, um, you know, just hung out with them and interviewed people. And um, so it's, it, it, it's fun. It's, it's, we're in a target-rich environment here when it comes to stories. So, uh, so it's a great place to do it. And I've had a lot of fun with it. I've been doing it for the last year and a half. So. Okay. So, um, Michael, what made you go out as um, a contributor and not as an industry speaker or, or broadcaster? Kind of, and what are the pros and cons of each model? And why did you decide to go that direction? Well, you know, it's, it's tough out there because it's crowded. I, you know, one of the things I've noticed that's just overwhelming to me is when I started really getting into Instagram, there's a phenomenon out there. In fact, the magazine, a lady wrote a story about it where there's this whole thing about... Uh, um, people wearing very little clothes and beer. And I mean, it's like, and it's not just, I thought it was all women. Someone just told me something the other day. Oh no, there's a guy, you can find him in a Speedo recommending beers. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, of course. Of course, I just couldn't bring myself to visit his site. Sorry, buddy, but it ain't gonna happen. Um, but you know, it's, it's this phenomenon of where, where it's all kind of intersecting. And I just thought, well, you know what? Going back, to, I did feature writing for the LA Times, so that was like stories that are not serious. They're fun. They're they're oddball things um, for the LA Times magazine, and that's kind of what I knew. I, I had done some TV and stuff, but I hadn't really Instagram. Some of these other things, I just didn't really feel like it's kind of hard to part the waters there if you're doing it by yourself and you're not with the right platform or the right people that know what they're doing and stuff. And it wasn't really my strength. My strength was that I had done these features for six years for the LA Times about all kinds of bizarro stuff, which I kind of like. Yeah. And um, so I just thought this was a good vehicle for it. Plus, it's delivered to every brewery. I'm guessing it's up to 200 plus breweries in the state. Um, the numbers I looked at last night and I couldn't find anything really current, but it was like 230 wineries in Virginia and about 100, it said 190 breweries, but even that number seems low to me. I think it's over 200 breweries easily because, and I think that number is gonna shift because it's gonna be way easier to have more breweries because you can go to an industrial park, you can take over a building, yeah. you can put a you know, um, low cost <laughs> insulated building out somewhere as compared to, you know, to have vineyards and, and, and the wine thing is a whole nother. That actually, um, that, that leads into something that, that I wanted to um, kind of get your take on. You know, here in Virginia, we do have a lot of breweries in urban settings, and it works really, really well. But we, we, we have this advent of the, uh, the, the farm brewery, which I think people's expectation is of that, that, that the scenic rural vistas and uh, you know, that, that agritourism experience. And I think that there's room for both. But, but what we've seen, I don't think the, 
uh, it's necessarily true for the wine industry, right? Wine industries are much more of an agritourism experience versus the whole, um, you know, we renovated a loft in Soho and turned it into a brewery. That's so cool, right? Um, right. It doesn't seem to work as well for, for wineries. So, you know, do you see the growth of both being equal? And do you think that the Virginia industry benefits by having both urban breweries and, and rural breweries, farm breweries? Well, I think this law being passed where that you can co-locate, you know, Nota Viva and all these places, I think it's fantastic because of that. You know, I, I have friends that don't drink wine and I have friends that don't drink beer. And it's, it's literally an issue. They're, they're very different in a lot of ways. In some ways, I think wine's uh, not as approachable. Beer, if someone walks in, I've seen this happen, and they're like, I don't know what I want. They'll say, well, what kind of beer do you drink? It's like, well, Coors Light or Guinness. You can match pretty close to that. You know, do you like IPAs? But if you have people walking to wineries, it's like, well, I've had red wine with a steak. They may not know the name of a, you know, uh, sure. you know pick, pick a wine, any wine. Um, so I think, you know, they each have their own strengths. Um, I do know that uh, a lot of the wineries I've been to out here, I mean, it's really a nice kind of relaxed situation. The same with the breweries, but they can be greatly different. And, and you know, the, the breweries uh, tend to be, I think, a little, little more rowdy, a little more, you know, friendly. And, and, and I, it's, I think it's a little bit warmer because it, with the wine, you kind of have to know what you're doing. I think, um, but it depends upon what you want. I, like Walsh, I've been over there and just had the most amazing time with people. And it wasn't quiet, it wasn't sedate, it was people laughing and having a good time with it, great food. it's not food. pretentious. It no, it is, and, and that's, you know, that is that's a, a thing. That's a thing be. that, well, there's, there are wineries that I've been to in Virginia that, that are not good with PR, and they're just, they're just not. I mean, it's not their strength, and they think, well, you know, you're coming here for this experience. You should kind of know that. Mm -hmm. And um, but that's not just. I mean, I've had that with breweries too. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have the market cornered on on people being kind of snarky or something. But um, but I think you know the 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 one thing that I like about all of this is in the growth is that. Uh, you know, if I grew out up, up out in California, where you know they created Levi's and and. Uh, you know, silicon chips and movies and, you know, game shows. And mm -hmm. I grew up in a farming area. It's the biggest farming area in the world. And people produced things. And I think that's something I'm hoping that we're doing nationally on a bigger scale of creating something that has some value. And this is also, I think, the, not just the wineries, but the breweries, I think, out here are helping a lot to make sure that we're protecting open spaces, we're protecting farmlands. There's a lot of conservation, preservation. I mean, there's, there's a lot of aspects to it that I find really appealing. Mm -hmm. One thing I want to, uh, would like you to expand on, you, you, you mentioned um, uh, uh, breweries and PR and certainly um, rural businesses. Um, you know, if, if you could find a, a, a commonality among all of these businesses, uh, you know, a lot of people have thrown away perfectly good jobs, right, to, to right. found a brewery or a winery, right? <laughs> they, were, they were so sick of having too much money, they wanted to get into this industry and, and, and kind of get rid of it all. Um, but what do you think is the common thread amongst these, these entrepreneurs, um, specifically to their story? What, what do you think drives people and what do you think attracts um, the market to those stories, to those personalities, to those characters, if you will. Sure. So what, what are these brand stories all about? Well, I think, it, and I know this might sound trite or something, but I think a lot of these people that go into it, it's, it's almost like an art form. I mean, to them, they're crafts people, craftsmen, craftswomen. Um, 
you know, someone told me one time, I said, so what's the secret to opening a winery in Virginia? And they said, well, it's kind of like, how do you become a millionaire? Well, you start with five million, right? <laughs> you just roll the dice. And there's a lot of gambling. That, I mean, there is gamble involved in this. But see, I think risk taking is part of success. People that do not take risks, really, if you're playing it safe, you'd probably never leave your house, right? <laughs> but, um, you know, you can see this in, in the technology industry. You can see it in just about every industry where that people were willing to, to take the chance. And, but it is kind of a special breed. I mean, I don't know what it is. And at one point I got together, there was about six or seven brewery owners that were at this event we went to. And it, it, it is a little unusual to be around them. And, and you, you can kind of sense there's a commonality. To figure out what that line is, for me, it's, it's kind of hard. But, um, you know, they're kind of quirky bunch. Sure. But, uh, but driven, passionate. Absolutely. I mean, um, it, and it's also, uh, there's a thing about quality. I mean, the ones that I know that are successful, and you can watch this, and the ones that have not done as well, um, you know, sure, some of it's luck and this, that, and the other. But you get people that are... Uh, obsessed with succeeding on it, it can almost go over the top to the point where that's detrimental to them. And it's it's kind of like I was talking about earlier to somebody about, well, if you had a gardener and you went to his house and it was like covered with weeds, you, you probably wouldn't keep him as a gardener. Like you wouldn't want me teaching your aerobics class <laughs> or something. No teeth. Right, no. exactly. But, <laughs> but, you know, it's like if you don't have good product, yeah. it, it, the story it, it, won't matter. Yeah, you could, I mean, unless you have mechanical rides or something. I mean, sure, sure. <laughs> right? yeah, I mean, something that's like, you know, some uh, people have said a lot out here too. Oh, well, you're not really selling the, the alcohol, you're selling the atmosphere. There's some truth to that, but people won't keep coming back if it's not good. Right, mm -hmm. right. Um, you know, at W2 Communications, we, one of the things, um, that we do day in and day out is, is pitching and, and trying to connect with, with, with journalists, you know, as a relatively new industry and, and people that have been successful in other industries but are new to the craft beverage industry, um, how much do you think these um, large and small mom and pop shop breweries know about how to pitch um, a story or, or a press release? Are, are you getting pitches or are you having to go out and find all your own material because people aren't that savvy with their marketing? What are you finding across the industry? I could probably write a story every day, and I'm talking like a 500 to 1,000 word story easily. There's so many stories out there. It's hard to pick which one I'm going to do. Um, and it's, you try and kind of tie it to some things. The, one, the last one I did was in, in December, uh, uh, January issue, and it was on Christmas tree lots that were next to breweries, or in the case of Beecord, a, a brewery that was next to a, a Christmas tree farm that has 37,000 Christmas trees. And I then like that model. The, <laughs> the more I looked into it, you know, there's one down in Noakesville where the guy had been selling Christmas trees for 30 years and decided, well, I'm going to build a brewery in the did middle. You, did you have to seek them out? I did. I, I went to them. And plus, you've got to have all the pieces to it. And, yeah. and most people are willing to do it. But mm -hmm. I can tell you, I've, there's a couple places I haven't done the stories yet because the timing just didn't work. And now they're hounding me. Now they want the story. Mm -hmm. um, but I haven't had a lot of people pitch me except for, well, Phil. Um, but that's, that's, <laughs> that's his thing. And he's been he in there. He's, he's had like three <laughs> stories in there before I even met him. So, you know, I think he's had a couple stories in there. But, um, you know, uh, it really varies. And, and even the, the one story I did, you know, it was coming up. It was in October. It was going to be Halloween. Yeah, yeah. And I had a friend who told me, hey, I don't like going to that brewery because or the, that restaurant. It used to be a brewery because it used to be a funeral home. And I was like, 
Oh, that's a great story for Halloween. Right. I mean, you know, I, I, you know, so it's more of like figuring out what you don't want to do a story on. And the other thing, to be honest with you, is there's some breweries that are really good and everything's great, but there's really not a, okay, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But you got to keep thinking and kind of working. I've been looking at this farm brewery lately that is really pushing them being farm oriented because, you know, you get in some gray zones there with some of these places where they don't grow a whole lot of anything, but they are a hop. (laughs) But, um, but you know, at the same time, I mean, these places are farms that are out in the country. I went to a place, uh, it's called Powers that is down by Warrington that was literally the lady is a farmer, the guy is the brewer. And it's this fantastic small place that is, it's kind of down near uh, Vint Hill, and, and that was fantastic. And then I went after there and went, and so that was like the whole rural scene, but it was very comfortable and quiet and off a beaten path. Then I went to Old Busthead, which is, that I would call it, even though it's not in a city city, that's a pretty big brewery that's got everything going. There's food and music and a full barn, you know, a, the whole thing. And there's there's a winery next to it, and there's a cafe, and I mean, it's kind of just a whole scene. And you know, I, I like them both. Uh, Charlottesville, I, I've been down there a lot, and uh, I've got some relatives down there, and there are so many good breweries down there. You, and really, if you go out toward Afton, when you start getting up there where it's like uh, you know Nelson and Wolf, and there's all these breweries, it's hard to choose which one to go to. There's so many good ones. Yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, the the magazine only comes out every two months, and <laughs> so it makes it real. I'm I'm getting really pretty full. Well, yeah. and I'm pretty much north of like 50 or 66, and I'm yeah. really trying to push as much as I can in Loudoun County because it's become such a, a destination for people, sure. not just in Virginia but Maryland and West. Virginia and everything else so it's kind of a, you know it, it, it depends it kind you of must depends. have you must have fun though going around to all the different locations and I, kind of exploring and thinking in that that reporter mindset oh I do it's it's interesting and you know I, I the one thing I found is that almost everybody I've met that owns a brewery is I mean they're interesting and they're you have to be a pretty nice person I mean same with I think the wineries are even the same way but I just yeah. think people it's about authenticity and conversation sure. and establishing rapport and, absolutely you know it and I think that's true of any business, whether it's a, a technology business or a, a hospitality or an agritourism business. If one of your regulars comes in the door, you know, turn, say hello, know their name. Yeah. You know, did your kid win his baseball game? Know that's things true. about them. Yeah, making that connection. You know, my mom always says, go where you're loved. You know, and yeah. man, does that work across the board on so many different things. So let me ask you, in, um, you know, in this era of, of social media where everybody is a reviewer, and we've got some really good tech out there, some good apps, Untapped, and, and things like that. Yeah. How do you feel that landscape um, contributes and inhibits, um, in some ways, uh, you know, your ability to seek out new products, new stories, or whatever? Because with 200 and a new popping up, you know, every week or whatever, right. it's hard. It's hard to find them all. Um, but how is the technology? And the ratings and Yelp and TripAdvisor and Untapped. How do you navigate all that? Well, I mean, it's interesting just in the short amount of time I've been doing this to see how how fast things have changed. Like one of the, I'll be really honest. One of the things that annoys me more than anything about Yelp, and I used to live on there, is that now if you don't do their app, you can't just go on there and look a place up because the way they have it is it, it literally takes you back and says, "Do you want the app?" It's the same thing Google does with Maps and everyone else. They're basically forcing you to move on to a platform that you may not want to have. I mean, I went to lunch today, and I met all these people, and I said, i got to leave 
you get free parking for an hour. And the guy's like, well, why don't you just use the app? Well, I don't necessarily want to give all my personal information to some company that I've never heard of that might not even be based in this country. And the next thing, I'd, oh, and by the way, if you just give us your credit. I mean, I, I'm still old school, but I'm, I'm a bit of a druid when it comes to some of this stuff. And, uh, but I will tell you this. I, I was amazed when I walked in. I think it was Bear Chase, or it might have been Harper's Ferry, but one of them I went into where it's like, People are doing beer reviews in real time while they are sitting there and they have that on their screen saying, and, and it's like Joe Blow is at Harper's Ferry and loves the, the soda water, you know, whatever, um, pomegranate seltzer beer, whatever they're calling it. So, um, but it is hard to kind of go and, and find, I mean, it, there's a lot of navigation here. And, you know, even, but it was, it's always been that way. It's just the technology is different. If you go to Norm's beer store in, in um, God, where are they in McLean? I mean, it, it looks like a small place and you go in there and there are literally probably 400 to 500 beers. And it's like, and, and, and you know, it's kind of like, okay, well, that's an interesting label. Or that's a great flavor. But is it necessarily something I want to pay $12 for a six pack or, or $7 for a large bottle, you know? Um, so it really kind of depends. Um, but I do think that, that you know, you can, you can kind of find your own way for what works. I do most stuff on word of mouth. Even the stories are on word of mouth. If people say, oh, my God, they have the best beer. Um, right, you've got a nose for the story, but you can feel the buzz and, and, and just hear what people are saying. Yeah. I don't know how many people have come out here, but I've told a lot of people that I really like Nota Viva's beer. And, yeah, we appreciate and that. I, I just do. I just, I, and, and there is. I always get to, well, I thought, I thought it was a winery. I said, well, it is a winery. Right? So, you know, you, you, you get that. But, um, but it's tough. And, I mean, there is a bit of, you, you eventually kind of overwhelm. I mean, it, it, there's a bit of overload here because there's just so many beers. A lot of buzz around it, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So sometimes at the bar, people will ask us for recommendations. And it's such um, a, a rich, um, you know, landscape of, of our colleagues in the industry. So we're in an area called the, the Loudon Heights cluster. Right. And we've actually have uh, a great little association with, with our fellow agritourism businesses in the area. And people will say, well, can you give us a recommendation on where to go? And, and, and what would you like to see? You know, another mom and pop shop of our scope. Loudon's largest winery is three miles from here. Right. We've got another winery brewery shop. You almost get to base your recommendation on what haven't they seen or a type of wine that they want to have and then you can tell them kind of where to go but there's so much diversity in this valley um, it, it is a great rich experience for people well and, and the other thing too is that like for example that story I did on the place that used to be a funeral home uh, uh, the kitchen over there the tap room in, in, in Lovettsville um, they have a phenomenal selection of beers and they're mostly all Virginia Monk's Brewery has an amazing selection of beers and they're all Virginia they don't serve, serve anything else so it really depends upon what you want and what you're interested in. Um, but if it's people visiting from out of state, you know, they can get Budweiser, right? Yeah, they, right. Don't, they don't really, it's like they've been to McDonald's. They don't really want to go there. They want to kind of have some sense of locality. They want to have that connection. Yeah. So it's, uh, and, and I think that's what's great is, I, is the variety out here that you can have a large, giant place like Bro, and then you have a place like this is, I, I the, I tend to go to the places that are more quiet lately. I don't know why I, I'm getting there's something for everybody, I believe. Yeah. Sure, yeah. absolutely. And, you know, some of those places, I know there's a big Mardi Gras thing going on. Mm -hmm. It's like people like to go out to those big party places. Mm -hmm. It's all good. So 
it's, you mentioned a place that you went to that had like 400 beers on the shelf. Yeah, it's probably How 800 beers. 800 beers on the <laughs> I don't shelf. Know, I haven't been in Norms in a while, but it is a like, it's bunch. like Wegmans or something. You know? Okay, well, Wegmans definitely yeah. has a lot of beer too. Yes. Uh, so how do you, dis like, what catches your eye? Is it a label? Is it a story? Like, what kind of draws you to something when you're looking at it? Well, I can, I can give you a perfect example. Like, I, I bought a six-pack one time of Sweet Baby Jesus because everybody was talking about this beer, and the name had come from somebody that tasted it and said that exact thing. Really? It's my understanding oh, is that's, that's how that started. But that is a thick chocolate peanut butter beer that is, is delicious, but it's kind of like, you know, I can't eat cheesecake every day, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of looking for stuff that's mid-range. Mm -hmm. that and But I will look, like, if somebody's got a funny bottle, I've bought stuff just literally because the bottle was goofy, and I can't even remember what that, like, give you an example. But... You know, there's, there's a winery out in California got in all this trouble because they used old art of a woman who was nude on a bicycle. And it was like the state's like, well, you can't use that. And then there was also a place out there I remember years ago called or Oaky Girl Brewery that the, they said, well, that's a derogatory you know, uh, slur or something about people from Oklahoma. And the governor of Oklahoma actually wrote a letter to the state saying, no, we're proud of being Okies. So, it, it, you know, it just depends. There's, I, I do like and I'm to sure there was no uh, malintent, but sometimes you just don't know yeah. like well, well, that. Sure, I'm sure they pulled but it, the yeah. Other, you know, the other thing, too, is that I, I've, I've learned a lot of history about Virginia by looking at labels sure. on things that people talk about. Well, different terms for the, the Civil War. The Civil and War. This the, battle what, happened on this right. hill. Great, 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 great. Absolutely. And, and um, you know, uh, there's a lot of geography. There's, people, yeah. there's things that people talk about. You know, well, this is named after a creek, and they put it on the label and stuff. Mm -hmm. So... You know, it's it's interesting. It's kind of a fun. <laughs> it's but a it's fun way like to learn you, about you. Something that you mentioned earlier. Um, it's that sense of belonging. You want to get drawn into the brand. Sure. You want to get drawn to into the store. You want to connect. Yeah, you want to connect. And 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 I I think the other thing too is that. Um, like I said, if you have national brands, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. I, I mean, I, I drink national brand beers. Sure. It's not like, oh my gosh, I won't drink Coors Light or something. Yeah, I mean, I can't remember if it was Dogfish. I don't know who, somebody had a beer one time called Lawnmower, and I was like, I know exactly what that is. You, you go out, it's hot, you mow the lawn, and you want something that's light, that's not gonna be too heavy. And it was actually, and it was like low. It was like two or 3% alcohol, which is low, but. Well, it's interesting, we actually, um, so, uh, as you know, we, we, we pair all of our, um, our, our beverages with music. And, and people ask me, where, where did we really come at that idea? And, you know, our, our word, Nota Viva, it's that feeling you get when you hear your favorite song, right? But music can create a mood. Um, and so we tell people, you know, like, well, where would you drink this wine? On the lawn at Wolf Trap. Where would you drink this wine? Reading a book by the fire. I mean, you can think about wine and right. beverage in terms of a moment in time, a place, an experience that you're having because the music can set that mood in the wine or the beer or the cider can, can complement that. And, sure. it, and it's a very real thing, you know, cognitive neurology. But some people just want to keep it simple. You know, it's the same thing with NASCAR. Man, they go fast and turn left. Well, okay, it is slightly more complicated than that, but you know, if that's where you yeah. want to leave it, that's fine. We've had I would people. Drink this wine while doing this. this yeah, totally. I mean, people. I'm like, what do you know about wine, sir? And he said, man, it's in a yellow box or a red box. I'm like, okay, well, we'll call that the baseline. You know, you can know more than that, but you don't have to. A good wine is a wine you like. A good beer is a beer you enjoy with friends. You're connecting. You're getting drawn into a brand story, and it it sounds like that's kind of how you do. You see. As you talk to um, your readers and people that you just kind of belly up to the bar with, that, that other people feel that way. Well, yeah, and I also think, too, that, it, you know, it can be, 
it can be an experience. If mm-hmm. you know, I'm not a big white wine drinker, but mm-hmm. I know that I've been to meals where that it was poultry or chicken or something, and they had some white wine that I, in a million years I would have never bought in a store. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I couldn't tell you the last time I went into a store and bought wine. I've bought wine from a lot of wineries in Virginia just because I'm like, oh, these nice people, you know, it's mm-hmm. you know something I want to try or whatever. But I'm not a big wine guy. I'm just not. Sure. Uh, I know a lot of people that are that are just. I mean, you know, they'll go into a market and they'll be there for an hour looking at wine, right? Well, I'm the same way with beer. I really am. I mean, I, and, and even like the place I was talking about in McLean, you know, I could go in there for a long time and look and look and look because it's like, well, but, you know, it's kind of expensive. Oh, my God. It's like I was, I was in an antique store the other day that my friend owns and I went in there and I was like, you know, I could go bankrupt in this place. I mean, there was just so many cool things. There were, they had just, she had amazing just stuff for sale. And, and so, you know, to me, it's, it, especially where there's a lot of beer, it's kind of like being in a library. I mean, I could be in a library for years and never leave just by this. I'm just so curious about it. But um, awesome. So I'm, you know, genuinely fascinated by the fact that you um, wrote a story about um, a brewery in a funeral home. And I'm curious, like, what is another, like, really interesting story that you've written that you feel is, like, kind of different, unique, that, you know, people would be drawn to? Well, you know, it's, it's hard to say. I, I will tell you that... Um, Every day I hear something different. I'm thinking, like, I won't tell you what I'm working on. Okay. Like, but, I'm interested. But, you know, it's, uh, it's really kind of hard to say. There's stories that just kind of tell themselves. I mean, that, the fact that that was a funeral home that my friend had gone to 100 funerals in that building... He just said, I, I, just, I just don't feel right going in there and drinking. So he, it, was, it was going at it from the angle of, all right, well, here's kind of a, it, it, it's kind of a collision of, of, yeah. of what something used to be, you know, uh, reuse, revitalization. Um, you know, I think a, a lot of it, I'm just, I'm really in admiration of the people that are willing to put the money on the barrel head, no pun intended, and roll the dice because... It, it, it's it's gotten really competitive here, and and it's gotten really competitive in in the country, um, just in general. And I think people have to kind of chart their own course, and they they find what works for them. And that's the same with anything. I mean, that'd be the same if it was a, if it was a grocery store. Or I, I always say people opening a bakery, it's a huge amount of risk. But you know, risk is kind of what determines the amount of success you have. And but it's cool. It's like reading an autobiography or, you know, one of my favorite podcasts is on NPR, How I Built This. It's like you want to talk exactly. to the talk to the CEOs, talk to the owners, the creators, and really figure out like what went into the process. And there's but, a lot to that. And, and you're exactly right because there's a lot of process. I mean, everybody I know that makes beer wine, it's always the same thing. It's like, well, and they know every single piece to it, just like somebody who plays golf can tell you, on the fourth hole, I hit it. You know, they know exactly that. Left. Absolutely. You know, and it was like, the big pine tree. well, I was over there by that. But uh, the Wall Street Journal's been doing this really interesting, uh, uh, I think they've done like 10 of them this year, and it's all on how did someone create a song. So like the one I just saw was Huey Lewis, and it was, uh, mm-hmm. it was fascinating. They interview all the people that were around the song. Where, why did it happen? And this was like a song for Back to the Future, and yeah. he didn't want to sing the song called to be Back, I mean, like how they even came up with the name for the song. And then it goes into the technical aspect of it. And they've done this on a bunch of songs that were hits, and it, I just love seeing that kind of the, the collaborative process, not to mention the creative process, where right. you just kind of see where the layers How all the creative kind of, mind takes all of those various inputs and can weave through all of that. Comes right There's out. a little bit of chance and a little bit of chaos involved in it. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, somebody follows their instinct 
and, and can do that. That's amazing. Well, and it's, I, I, I imagine you might be seeing parallels to that when you, the difference between making beer and wine. Like you, you were a oh, home brewer for, sure. for how long? Like 10 years? Well, you know, when we were, um, when Nota Viva started to gain momentum and I would tell our story at, uh, you know, the romantic whim, leap of faith, our background in the music industry, uh, and telling that story, I always did, and, and you mentioned this earlier, I've always approached um, my fermentations, now my wine and my beer and my cider, um, from the artistic side. But as I look back over all of my careers, they've been left brain, right brain. Um, mixing a concert, you have to have uh, technical prowess to execute your artistic vision in a nanosecond because there's 70,000 people screaming, a lot of money, and it's loud and all of that stuff. But you see what's happening on the stage and you want to make an artistic change, and then there's a thousand knobs to turn, which is the right one. Winemaking and uh, craft beer is very, very similar. You have an artistic vision for what you want to do, but then there is technical execution. It's, it's food science, it's biology, it's having a healthy fermentation, it's temperature, it's uh, pH, it's all of those things. Um, but it, it is an artistic creation. And, and so, and I think that helps with the connection that, that you keep going back to. People are a lot more willing, I think, to connect with art than they are than pure uh, bits and bytes and technology. It's a lot more fun to tell someone, I envision you, you know, drinking this beer, sitting on a beach in Puerto Rico, like our Lucio IPA, my first IPA, versus saying, yeah, I cleaned the tank with PBW and stuff, and you just lose people. They, they want the story. They want the story as compared to the process, yes. especially if it's highly technical, right? Yeah. Um, but do you ever turn it up to 11? On Man, I was born on 11, you know? <laughs> That's the reference to what is it, Spinal Tap? Where Spinal Tap. Well, we, we were actually, um, you know, we, we kind of took a year off at, at Nota Viva, and so we were going to skip our 10th year anniversary, and so we're going to celebrate an 11 year anniversary. I Nota, like that. Nota Viva goes to 11. Well, and you know, there's so many different ways that people can market things. I went to an un-Valentine's deal the other day that uh, Belly Love did, and it was hugely successful, and it was, I think one of the bartenders there came up with it, and it was just fantastic, and it was for, you know, people that are just so sick of Valentine's Day, they wanted to go somewhere, and there were some people there that didn't have anybody else to be with, or they didn't have a Valentine or whatever. Pressure and that weirdness. And yeah. I'm seeing a lot more of creative stuff with the with the breweries, I think, than a, versus the wine, but you know, the wineries do some interesting things too, but I have seen more things tried in these breweries, whether it is you know, uh, trivia's huge, karaoke's huge. I mean, some of these- I taught a fitness class in, a, in a Old Ox. <laughs> you taught a fitness class in Old Ox? Was it the one in Ashburn or the one? And, I mean, there's yoga in tasting rooms, there's goat yoga in tasting goat rooms. Yoga, yeah. Just... yeah, people love it. I mean, they'll do a fitness class at 10 a.m. and then have a glass of beer after. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, th I think that's great. I mean, I think that's the trick too, is you, you've, you know, you gotta keep trying. It, it, people are not gonna beat a path to your door. It, it's a double-edged sword. Even if your beer is the best in the world, if it's not a fun place to be, people aren't going to go. Or they'll get it, they will get the beer to go if they can do it off sale. Um, just the same as, I mean, there, there does have to be atmosphere. And um, so, you know, I think that's what I'm constantly looking for is finding an interesting place. I went to this two silos place down, is it Manassas, I think it was? Oh my God, they had igloos that you could go in and party. Yeah, yeah. Igloos. The plastic igloos yeah. you can sit You outside. could go, <laughs> not the frozen ones. Igloos, they had ice rink for kids that was right next to the, I mean, they had great bands and the whole place, it was like, I just, I was blown away. I mean, it was like, it was experience. just fantastic. Yeah, it's more than just the beverage, it's the experience. Yeah, yeah. absolutely.
No. So is it true that you were on the Larry King show? I was. Uh, this was about, uh, it was about 13 years ago. This would have been 2007. And I was, uh, I was running communications for the state fire agency in California. So I was, I was the deputy director. And it was so crazy. It was like 10 days of fires, you know, as they have in Calif Southern California. And for whatever reason, you know, the governor couldn't, they couldn't, you know, it, it, people were busy. And so I had to pinch it. I mean, they essentially said, well, then you're going on. And I was like the third one on the show. And so, you know, you're sitting there and you got the earpiece in and I'm out in front of like some neighborhood that's just been like wiped out and they're talking to these fire chiefs. And I was not a firefighter. I was a communications person. So I, I did like press releases and I, I worked with uh, chiefs and got people, I, I was more like a coordinator and things like that and worked on the website and public notification, all that stuff, stakeholders and all that. But really the first responders were the ones that we, we wanted to get on TV because they could tell the story better than anyone else. And so the two guys that were in front of me were both fire chiefs. I think one was with like the forest service, I can't remember, and then another guy. And so I'm sitting there waiting and I'm listening to this and they're getting into very technical things about firefighting. And I'm thinking, and I'd said for years, oh gosh, Larry King, he's just so, so many softball questions. And here I'm like thinking, oh no, he's gonna ask me something about fire that I don't know. And sure enough, the last question he asked the guy, so he went through the first chief and, the, and they said, okay, we're gonna go to a break. And then the, the director's like, all right, you're on after the next guy. So then they, he's talking to this chief and they say, we're not gonna go to a break. We're gonna go right to you after this chief. And the last question he asked this chief was, Chief, why do horses stay in bonds when they're on fire? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh no, oh no, this is not happening to me. Like, he's gonna start asking me, ah, I know, and he's like, I think that even the chief will kind of look at me like, mm, and he goes, okay, and he says, and now we're gonna go to Michael Jarvis, he's the communications director for Calvary, and Michael, I was like, oh gosh, and it's the, yeah. <laughs> And I said, uh, uh, hi, hi, Larry, thank you for having me on. And he says, uh, so what do you do? What is your job? Well, I mean, I had spoken so many times on TV or in public and stuff where I literally had this whole thing down that was like four minutes that I had it memorized. So I'm talking to him. This actually happened to me. Talk about out-of-body experience. I'm talking to him and thinking in my head, oh, thank God he asked me this question. <laughs> Because <laughs> if he would have started saying, you know, uh, what's, what's, what is a blue flame on a house? You know, I mean, because yeah. there were so many things, but it was brutal. We were down there for 10 days, and I, I tell you, it was, I mean, it was some crazy stuff. And a lot of, uh, a lot of firefighters got injured. I mean, it was, it was tough. It was a fire siege, they call it. And they had, I think, seven incident command teams, which is like bringing, and the feds bring in seven teams and like have to manage it because it was like, you know, I think they evacuated like seven or 800,000 people in San Diego alone. So, you know, and there was no power. And I mean, it was just a mess. And, you know, th that's still going on. It's still going on today. But, um, you know, I did learn something there that is kind of applicable here is that these firefighters, they get trained. And one of the things they teach them is, you have to be at your best when things are at their worst. Oh, sure. And it's, it works every, in every situation. I mean, it works when you're dealing with every your kids. Um, it, it works when you're writing a story and it gets lost on the computer. <laughs> you just have to go, oh, okay, I'll do it. But um, yeah, Larry King, that was, uh, that was, that was a doozy. That was, and, and you know, thank God he was, he was nice to me. And after that, he was like, he was so complimentary. Right. Oh, you're doing a great job out there. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so it all, all kind of worked out. So. You, well, you have, edit you have a really interesting, interesting background. Oh, if you, if you only knew. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you one more before we sure. wrap up. And, and thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank um, you for doing this. I think this, this is, is amazing. Great. If you could, um, you know, sum up your experiences and if, if you could look through the lens and, and speak to that new craft beer entrepreneur and, and give them one marketing tip 
from, from all of your years and, and things that you've seen, what would you tell that person? What should they focus on? Well, I, I'm always amazed how much free media people get by putting things in a calendar in a newspaper. If there's a newspaper in your community, the ones in Loudoun seem to list a lot of things. Um, but also, I've had people tell me about something that I thought was so obvious that no one knows about it. So there does have to be some type of outreach. You can't just think that the world is going to come to your door because you have good beer, you have good wine. Um, but also, I know people that have used social media, like they've done it like masters because they kind of get people interested or like, hey, keep an eye out in two weeks, we got this coming down. And I do get a lot of stuff. I mostly use Instagram uh, and I follow a lot of breweries. And um, you know, it's interesting. I think you've got to keep trying though in the marketing thing. I mean, it's as much a component. I was explaining to somebody the other day that, um, you know, if you're an $8 million operation or a $2 million operation or whatever, if you were in any type of business and you didn't have a marketing section, you wouldn't be in business very long. It doesn't matter your size. If you make three beers or you make 30, um, I was down in, in Williamsburg, is that where it's down, down south by uh, Bush Gardens, whatever that whole thing. I was down there and went to this brewery on a Saturday night and I would call that urban because it's near a college. It's not a huge city, but it's, it's a town. You're there and it's a beautiful place. But I went in there and they literally had 30 something beers in this place and I was like, I wouldn't even know where to begin. So I kind of just started eliminating them. And you know, there's such a thing as overdoing it, right? Being overwhelmed. But at the same time, I kind of saw what they were doing because they had a local college group that was coming in all the time and they were like, they were willing to try everything. So I think, I think if you're willing to, to give it a shot and, and you're gonna go and roll the dice, I think if, if you have a diverse product and, and you make sure that people know that you've got what you've got, I think most will be fine. I mean, most people that get into making beer, most know what they're doing. I've found very few that didn't. But I will tell you one thing that's amazing to me with Virginia. The rules here are finally getting a little, little more normal. Because where I grew up out there in California, I mean, you could pretty much make it in a bathtub and pump it out the window with a garden hose. And as long as you had a sanitary certificate and a tax right, account, with, I, I don't think they cared. I mean, it was so loosey-goosey out there for a while. I don't know what it's like now. but. It just seems like here it's like finally kind of getting where that, okay, sure. we, we get it, it's not the end of the world and stuff. So it's great and it's, it's an exciting place to be right now, Virginia, just because of this, because just the huge growth of the, of the beer and the, the wine industry, cider too. So. Seems like there's a lot around engagement though. Like I see like Facebook events and just people tagging things everywhere and there's so much engagement, especially with millennials and then um, Gen Z and all the you know people that are becoming the age that you know people go to breweries and bridal parties and everything. And it's, it's a lot of engagement, I think, in this area around it. It can be a bit overwhelming. Yeah. And, and you know what? Uh, one good post in advance goes a long way with me. And that's for everything. Uh, I know a, a musician that, that is posting every two hours. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I eventually I'm just like... Oh. And I think engagement is, is the right word. You know, when, um, when small businesses, whether it is craft brewing or in the technology space, my, my number one rule, like if you don't have a huge marketing budget, what anybody can do regardless of your marketing budget is um, be responsive yeah. to your, your to your customers yeah, and so yeah. that engagement that dialogue that communication is so critical social media makes that easy if you're paying attention if every night you're diligent about going to your inbox you're you're sending us great things on Instagram and I'm writing you back thanks thanks and stuff like yeah. that because 
Again, what we've learned in, in our work in digital marketing at, at W2 is that you have to understand a little bit about how these social media algorithms work. And if someone's just doing a thumbs up on your post, it doesn't drive as much presence on other people's feeds as it does as a, as a one or two or three sentence comment that somebody else puts a comment on. That's how these uh, you know, social media algorithms know what to surface. And that all comes down to, again, cannot overstate it, having a great story that people care enough about to engage and, and be timely on, and then technology will take care of it. Yeah. Well, I'm also, another, those are all great points. Another one is consistency. Yes. I like seeing patterns. I like seeing, oh, I know this is gonna so be you reliable. You, you kind of get it, and then sometimes you throw people a curve on that, and I just put fun stuff on Instagram, but um, I haven't even promoted my own stories there, and in fact, these guys have actually promoted, I think, one or two of my stories on there, and it, mm -hmm. it's, it's nice. Um, you know, years ago I wrote for, for Baltimore Magazine and I could not believe that they wanted a picture of me and I was like, what is this? It was because I had written the story and then they put me on the inside and it was authors and what they were writing about in that issue. And I think even just recognizing people in person, right. on social media, whatever. Media. The other thing too is that there's a lot of people that do breweries and think they can do it all by word of mouth and it does not work. I, and, and whether you need to get somebody to create something for you to go online, that's a huge deal. Even if it's something that's just like a calling card that's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. welcome to our brewery, yeah. even if it's just something on their website, but people need to do it more. There's a lot that do zero advertising and you know, it does hurt them. I've seen, I've seen it, you know, go down, unfortunately, but. Thank you so much, Michael, for Thank coming you. and talking to us today. We oh, learned a lot cheers. from you. Cheers. <laughs> well, I hope so. I, I seem like I was kind of rambling cheers. for a while there, but very good. We appreciate it. Thank you so Absolutely. much. Absolutely. Thank you. And this has been another great episode of Inside the Media Minds. I'm Christine Blake. Stephen Mackey, signing off from Nota Viva. And Michael Jarvis, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Inside the Media Minds. To learn more about our podcast and hear all of our episodes, please visit us at w2com.com slash podcast and follow us on Twitter at Media Mind Show. And you can subscribe anywhere podcasts are found.